hello, welcome. The guest this evening is Richie Bissot. He works for Loot. Um, he's the lead game designer there. He is a Unity user. He has a, um, a game out called um, Forbidden Planet. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk a lot about that. So welcome, Richie. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's Forsaken Planet, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Forsaken right. Planet. And this is why we're considering changing the name. <laughs> I actually just got into a whole bunch of B-movies. So okay. Forbidden, yes. Yeah. Forbidden Planet is the one that everybody yeah, oh, everybody says. It was it was actually kind of a, a, a name that, that was... It is a very interesting story how that name came to be, but now we're thinking about changing it actually um, before we go to to the consoles. So it's a um, it's an adventure trying to change your name, the name of your game. I'm sure it's been out for a while. Yeah, but we're changing venue, so it's a, it should it should work out okay. Okay, and when um, is there any names that are you know on the horizon that you can talk about? Uh, not really right now. Um, we're actually going to. Uh, I can talk about the process, which I, I think is really interesting. Yeah, um, I'd love. Please what, go ahead. What we're going to do is uh, something that was suggested actually by a, a friend of mine um, whose name is Scott Foe. He's a he's an old time game developer, and he's he's done a lot of he's done a lot of cool and interesting stuff. But I had a, heard a talk from her, from him while I was over at the. Um, uh, the DigiWorld Game Summit right. over in uh, Montpellier. Okay. Uh, he gave a, this talk, and one of the ideas that he had, I thought was super interesting, is that he said to when you're doing uh, when you're choosing a name for your game, try to do A/B testing on it as early as possible. And one of the methods that he suggested was like taking out, let's say, a Facebook ad, and um, using the you know the kind of the same graphic, kind of the same you know description, but just changing the name and running a few different campaigns and seeing how people t- take to that, and kind of linking to a um, kind of a, a a even if you want just kind of a, a website that says, hey, coming soon, you know, this particular whatever the particular name of the game was. And um, sign up here for more info, and that way you start actually like building your audience at the same time that you're um, doing the A/B testing, you know, across all the different names. So that's really clever. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought know, it was really neat. One so, of the one of the things when I did Alien Jelly that I realized with names is, um, well, with Xbox Live Indie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is I never thought about how important names was, but Alien Jelly beginning with an A starts yep. to come at the top of the list, right? Exactly. Yep. So, like, it seems like the best thing is underscore zero zero one, and then yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, it's it's funny if you if you actually um, look at all the names of the old school publishers. Um, a lot of them were actually jockeying for that first spot, which is why you have a lot of old school publishers that start um, with with A, like Accolade. Acclaim, Activision. No way. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, they were all uh, trying to one-up each other with their names. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty uh, little little known story. Well, I mean, um, Loot is a, a Sony Pictures company or Sony um, Entertainment? We started out as a Sony Pictures company, and uh, we were part of Sony Pictures, I think, for... At least after I got there, I mean, there was kind of some activity going on in the group before, prior, prior to my arrival. Um, but things really started in earnest uh, about five years ago. Um, so 2009, January. Um, we were part of Sony Pictures. We came in. We didn't have a name. Uh, I actually made up the name. Uh, my creative partner, Remy, uh, did the logo. And then uh, my other creative partner, Christian, did the, you know, kind of like the, the font, the typeface and everything. 
so it was all really kind of like we, that that was it for the team and right. then there was another guy Danilo who was doing production and we kind of you know all banded together to 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 even name the company so it was a pretty neat thing um so we've been operating we are operating under Sony Pictures for I think almost it was almost three years and um I remember because I was about to get my uh, extra week of vacation after three years, <laughs> and I got the rug pulled out from under me when we got uh, sold. Um, so our, our larger kind of parent organization is called the Digital Authoring Center, um, and what they did, kind of their main re- thing of sphere of responsibility within Sony Pictures was doing authoring. Um, so doing Blu-ray disc or DVD authoring or, you know, menu authoring. Um, and they, we got bought by Sony DADC to kind of, as this, uh, not to get too much into it, but basically as an effort to kind of consolidate everything, um, every type of service like that under one part of Sony. Right. So it's more, it's a little bit more corporate now. Um, but it's, it allows us to be a little bit more agnostic in terms of like working with, or the larger group to be a little bit more agnostic in terms of working with different, um, you know, different, uh, sources like, uh, Warner brothers or. Right, 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 right. So that's kind of how that whole thing went. And we, and it's really weird because we don't have anything to do with that type of stuff. And like kind of nobody understands what we do as game developers. Right. But everybody kind of thinks it's really neat, but they just, they're kind of like, "Ah, I'm not really sure what's going on with you guys. (laughs) You guys laugh a lot in your office. (laughs) Yeah. Too much fun being ahead. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I I find that as um, a, a general trait, of um, you know making games, it's a very creative process. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But then they always have the stigma of like you know corporate people who just like look at you and you're like you guys are having so much fun all day. You don't work. Oh, dude. Yeah, you don't realize like the amount of hours that you're putting in. And the reason you're laughing is because you know you're, you're basically you know afraid at all the ends. Right? You have yeah. to laugh or you won't make it. Dude, it's crazy. I mean, it's like the it's like the type of thing. I mean, uh, anybody who's listening to this, if you're if you're a game developer, you probably understand this. But we pretty much wear whatever we want, right? You can kind of identify a group of game developers because they're the people who look like they give a crap, like nothing. Right. <laughs> like they have no. There is no 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 craps are given at all. <laughs> and um, so, I started out wearing you know like like long pants to work, and then eventually I was, I'm just I'm from a very cold place. So the weather out here in California is essentially shorts weather all year round. And <laughs> yep. I can't stand not wearing shorts. So um, I'm wearing them right now. It's really cold outside. <laughs> so um, basically, eventually what I did is I did the... Did you ever hear the story, the idea of like uh, the slow boil frog type of thing? It's like a horrifying story. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So essentially I, I did that to, the, to my work where I started wearing shorts like one day a week. <laughs> and nobody said anything. So I started wearing them two three, four, all of a sudden we're just wearing shorts all the time. And this really corporate person that I worked with kind of came up to me at one point and is like, they let you wear shorts here? And I said, no. (laughs) And she just had the most confused look on her face. And then she just goes, Oh, <laughs> she just kind of went away, and she, nobody ever said anything. But yeah, so I, I like I keep an extra pair of jeans in my in my drawer just in case some you know VIPs come through. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They want to they're like I do clean up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, environment in which to develop games. We're very small. We're we are um, on the development team of Forsaken Planet. We are four people. Um, there is a kind of executive producer guy. Um, who is also responsible for a few other things, and there is a um, community manager. 
works with us. Right. So, and but she works on other stuff as well that, that we do um, that that Luke does. And the way Luke is kind of structured is that we have different verticals. There's a vertical for the games for the kind of like independent IP games. There's a vertical for um, doing game porting, right? Um, and there is a vertical for doing uh, a PlayStation Home stuff, which is kind of how we started. And and uh, then there's a vertical for doing um, video applications for PlayStation, right? So and that that is actually kind of like really taken off. Um, and the way that the video application, yeah, the video application stuff is 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 big for us right now, which is great um, because it kind of allows us to do you know more blue sky type of right, stuff, right, like, right, for Second Planet and all that stuff until until we can actually start really generating some cash for that. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's really interesting the way it's done. The porting stuff is 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 new, right? So we're we're uh, it's very interesting. We're you know it's taking uh, games that were made in Unity on like let's say PC right. or you know targeting PC or targeting some other platform and converting that mostly right now over to PlayStation Three, PlayStation Four. Uh, so, do you do you have a, lo- a large volume of, of Unity games getting moved over? Um, it, I mean, there I think generally there are a lot of people who want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now we are only working with a couple of them. Okay. So, um, but there is a lot. I mean, there seems to be a lot of a lot of desire for that type of thing. Absolutely. Um, and like, not a whole lot of expertise. Yeah. And I can see why because it's not super easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very different beast. <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, moving. I mean, have, having made stuff for for Xbox and then you know trying <clears throat> to move it over to Steam and um, right. and like seeing the differences of like okay, so you've designed your game for a controller now mouse and keyboard. It should be easy, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Like you got to decide. Okay, now it's selection menus instead of just pressing buttons and scrolling. Right. Um, is that the primary issue, or is the primary issue like? Because I know that Unity is very good with exporting stuff, at least right. for for mobile platforms. Um, is the right. issue like integrating with the uh, with with the um, uh, APIs, or so for us? Um, uh, okay, so what we did is. Obviously, we started out with Forsaken Planet, and and we kind of used that as our flagship thing, and said, okay, we're gonna, we know this product backward and forward, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we know this game backward and forward. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna try to um, essentially see what kind of roadblocks we hit while we're doing this, okay? And then we're going to, you know, because Forsaken Planet started out as a mobile game, right? We're gonna do the whole free to play mobile type of type of stuff, and. And um, we realized that you just need like a ton of money to do that nowadays <laughs> yep. and be really successful. So um, we started kind of pivoting our focus toward the consoles because we already had, you know, kind of through our through our uh, PlayStation Home stuff, we already had kind of a following. We could actually use PlayStation Home as an advertising platform, you know, for for the game, um, and people would be able to launch right into, you know, do a game launch right out of PlayStation Home into um, the into Forsaken Planet if we put it on to PSN. So what we said is, okay, we'll, we'll give this a shot. And actually, the, con- the control stuff wasn't too difficult. We had a little bit of a problem with a, um, a, uh, a, 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 an input plugin, like an input wrapper plugin that right. will not be mentioned. <laughs> um, but it was, it was actually just sucking down a ton of cycles. Okay. Um, so it was, you know, it was taking up a whole lot of... It was, it was dragging the frame rate down by a lot because it was doing like a whole lot of string concats. 
um, which is, which is yeah, it's, yeah, it was doing like hundreds of them a frame. Was this so, uh, this was an input, not a UI? Yeah, or? an input. Okay, input thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we actually we actually did change to Angry lately, which saved us a lot as All well. Right. Um, okay, which is great. Um, but I actually just I dropped the the input wrapper that we had. Um, there was no real reason to be using it. I just used the straight Im- Unity input wrapper. Okay, or the straight Unity input um, functionality. And that saved us a whole bunch of frames. Um, other than that, really the most difficult thing was uh, on PS3 especially, changing the way that the save game stuff was done. Because you couldn't use um, the Unity save game... Uh, player preps? Yeah, player preps stuff. Okay, gotcha. Straight up. Um, you, had to, you have to actually condense everything down to a string and then use uh, the PS3 um, kind of like... Uh, it's a it's an asynchronous saving kind of saving method, right? So you have to kind of wait for that to come back. You have to essentially take all your save game data, put it into a put it into a string, and then and then take that and uh, you know send a save call to the the memory card or to the PS3, and then wait for that to come back, and then go ahead and with your business, right? And same thing with loading the data as well. Right. So we had to really be careful about like not making a whole bunch of save calls all the time, which is what I'm used to doing. Yeah. Normally. Yeah. But yeah, so that was that was something else. I re- I remember um, doing Xbox Xbox stuff. Like one of the mm. biggest uh, testing things was the yeah. idea of like, okay, so while you're saving data um, and I pull out the memory card, yeah. does the game crash? Exactly. Is yeah. that a lot of the? Yeah, that's a big part of it too. So okay. you know, we, and that's you know, we have to. You know, make sure to 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 cover all those bases as well. Um, another another big thing was, but that you know, it's actually better on the PS4 because I'm uh, pretty sure we can just use the uh, the player preps on that. That just goes straight into it, and Vita as well, and uh, has a, has a player sports player preps, so that's really nice. Um, what else? Uh, shaders is a big thing. Uh, we shaders fixed function shaders are not supported on PlayStation right as of right now. Really? Okay. Yeah. So a lot of the built-in Unity shaders will not function um, so properly. What kind of shader language does it support? Like CG? Uh, yeah, CG. Okay. Yeah. So we used uh, Strumpy Shader Editor right, to right. generate a lot of our uh, a lot of our shaders, and those took um, you know very minimal tweaking to make them work. Right. Right. And there's some. There's kind of like a different. You know, a little bit of you know a couple gotchas. Like we had to like you can't just use straight up color if you're using a surf, um, and you you have to change that the that particular keyword to something else, and then like a position you can't use you know as as it is you just have to change it to something else. But it's that those aren't really big deals. Okay. Um, and so you just have to kind of know those tricks. The forums for for uh, PS4 developers are and PS3 developers are are pretty good. Okay. Like it's a really it's a a good healthy uh, active discussion. So. And the, the support has been really, really good. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, uh, I do a lot of shader stuff myself. I love yeah. it. Um, so would you recommend, let's say, if you're making a game and you're wanting to, to move it over to uh, to PlayStation, or basically the portability, um, right. just write your own shaders from scratch and or, or yeah. use Strumpy and, and yeah. do the CG stuff? Yeah, I would use Strumpy. Um, I found kind of a weird thing. I mean, this is just, you know, it's a very, very small technical detail, but uh, the, the Pragma line... Yeah, in the, that was generated with yeah, the Strumpy yeah, yeah. Shader. It was actually preventing the shader from compiling properly for the for PS3. So I just comped it out, and it worked fine. Wow, <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. Uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, so that 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 was a uh, that was kind of one of the 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 things that was kind of like 
amused at and kind of very, very happy that it just worked. <laughs> <laughs> and we get a lot of those, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very so, interesting because yeah. um, most of the um, the most of the time when I'm editing shaders, I have no data to, to back me up. I'd rather mm-hmm. be writing my own CG shaders, but I mm-hmm. thought that the the the, the uh, fixed fixed function yeah fixed mm-hmm. function stuff would be faster. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's faster or not, mm. but it is definitely not working. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. that that's the, the the pivotal thing. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm actually just diving into shader stuff recently. Like I'm I'm learning uh, learning more about it every day. So it's so it's nice. But you know, everything seems to be working now. We've got uh, actually just uh, stomped out the last of the shader problems on Forsaken Planet today. So that's that's really nice. Wonderful. Uh, actually, that's not exactly. True. <laughs> I still have to I still have to uh, replace the shader on. Uh, on our particles, but other than that, it's a uh, it's looking good. Okay. So yeah, brilliant. So um, mm-hmm. so for the, for your for your particles, I mean, like it's yeah. do you, can you use the the Unity particle um, uh, system like the the Sharkin? So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, and, and you can that. and you can use the default shaders that come along with it, or do you uh, have to the write default your... the default shaders don't seem to be working that well right now. Um, I'm gonna probably I'm looking I'm gonna probably look into it tomorrow and see what kind of a shader I can throw on that. So okay, we'll see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> is it just perf or is it just not not showing up? Uh, it is it's pink. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> just right, right, right. Yeah, so it's it's <laughs> See, we had a we had a. Um, a texture in Treyarch that we used for that. And it wasn't pink. It was just when, when you know, when something wasn't showing up, wasn't rendering properly, we would put a, uh, a banana texture on it is what we called it. And I don't know why we called it that. It was just this multicolored, uh, like, striped shader. And and I don't know where the banana part came from. I have to ask some somebody else. But, it's got to be a yeah. 3 o'clock in the morning thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, there were plenty of 3 o'clock in the mornings on Spidey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Worth it, though. Yeah. Well, it would be very interesting to, to see um, what happens with the particle stuff. Yeah. Because um, all I know from mm-hmm. my experience with working with the particle shaders is mm-hmm. um, all the colors get set by the, you know, the vertice, vertex yeah. color stuff, yeah. and you're going to just go mix with that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'd be, be very interested. Um, I'm going to take a short break now. Okay. And um, when we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about Forsaken Planet. Cool, and we're back. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more with uh, Richie Basso about uh, Forsaken Planet. Still yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, just what the game is, what inspired um, you to make it. Uh, so let's start off with inspiration. How did you come up with the game idea? Or First, actually, we should start with what the game is and then talk about how you came up with the idea. Okay, so the game is actually a... Uh, I'll, I'll roll one into the other. Because it, it actually is is uh, it it helps to know what the inspiration is. So the game is actually a four player split screen um, action uh, multiplayer battle game. Um, kind of in the the it's inspired a lot by old school blue sky games like um, you know all the stuff that was out for the N sixty four right like uh, Mario Kart Battle. Um, uh, Little Golden, yep, Goldeneye, Star Fox, all those type of type of games. Right. Um, originally, we started out as a network multiplayer game, and you know, since we were such a small team and our budget is is really low, um, what we felt is that we, at least for the short term, um, that we weren't able to really provide the type of network experience, like a really nice, you know, tournament level quality uh, network experience, without you know sinking tons and tons of money into it. 
Um, so that's something we eventually hope to do on on PS4 because there's such a good you know network backend right. that we'd be able to uh, kind of roll it into that. But right now we really wanted to concentrate on kind of the core gameplay stuff, and we found that really taking away the network stuff, the the multiplayer, the network multiplayer, didn't actually like sacrifice any of the quality of the game. Like all the fun was really still there. Really, you know, okay. and it's, it actually was augmented a lot because I think there's. I mean, at least in my opinion, and the opinion of uh, you know uh, the other guys who work on it, kind of some of our best experiences were from just sitting on a couch next to other people, yeah. and like yeah. just you know hitting the controller out of somebody's <laughs> hand, or like you know like blocking them out. Yeah. Like I really actually hope somebody gets hurt uh, body checking somebody else like <laughs> playing our game. So so the game is really like that. Um, it is a uh, it's really inspired by those those old school super fun. Uh, you know, N64 era type of games. Um, you know, we, my creative partner is is kind of the guy who came up with the 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 idea. You know, kind of like the the concept of the right. game. And he just, you know, he was really sick of kind of all these very drab, you know, space marine, you know, desolate planet, you know, kind of abandoned city type games. Yeah, yeah. where everything's kind of gray. Yeah, brown. it's all gray. It's like you know, I think it, he was he was saying a while back that when he was working on, uh, you know, he was working on this uh, game, one of the games he worked on before. He's got like 20, 20 plus years of experience, but he was working on um, this game somewhere back in, in his past. And the art director came over. He's like, mm, "You need to desaturate all this. Like, just keep desaturating it." <laughs> and he's like, "Man, I really do not want to work on this game anymore." So he's, a, you know, he's a true artist. He's a French guy. Yeah, so yeah. he's, yeah, he's awesome. He's all over the place. Exactly. He's, you know, he's very much about you know making making the art something that that you know that we can be proud of. So he, you know. He said, I want to make a game that's really colorful. I want to make a game that's, you know, silly, but at the same time has this, like, kind of, like, dark undertone to it. So right. so out of that kind of, you know, and us bouncing things back and forth came Forsaken Planet. And the game, uh, so it's a four-player multiplayer battle game. And the, the, the concept of the game is that you work for a fast food restaurant slash arms dealer in outer space <laughs> and you work at this uh, you're these kind of two um two kind of like low level schmoes uh who work at this you know essentially fast food place on an asteroid that's floating around in space and this gigantic uh warship comes up and orders a billion orders of chicken which is pretty much the only thing that the restaurant sells um and the way that you know, and of course you go to the, the, you know, the dollar signs pop up in your eyes and they go over to the, uh, the refrigerator, the freezer, and there's nothing in the freezer. And they go, oh, we need to like go down to the nearest planet and harvest chicken. Right. And the way that you get chicken in this world is by, um, essentially taking anything that is not tied down and throwing it into this machine called the chickenizer. <laughs> and it, it essentially can take all, any type of matter and turn it into chicken. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And then the chicken gets beamed back to the restaurant and you know delivered and not cooked, just live over to whoever has been ordering it. So um so yeah, so there's a lot of chicken flying around in our game. Um the the arms dealer part comes from the you know how okay, so we got inspired by a lot of the kind of like weird and terrible things that happen as like being an employee of a fast food restaurant. Right. And um, one of the things that always like struck us as kind of weird is that you need to buy your own uniforms uh, at a lot yeah, of these yeah, places. Yeah. I still and so we said, did you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we uh, yeah. So we uh, so we said, well, 
we're going to take that a step further and we're going to make it so that that essentially the company pits its employees against each other in mortal like essentially mortal combat for to, to see who can become the employee of the month by gathering the most chicken and the way that you gather the chicken is by having these heavily armed UFOs that fly around and and you fight against each other and kill each other and and uh, or, or shoot each other down not kill each other because what you want to do is not kill the other person you want to shoot them down, pick them up in your tractor beam, and drop them in the chickenizer right. so that they become chicken. <laughs> because, you know, it's just about anything. So you can essentially chickenize your coworkers, and you get a bunch of points for doing that. And, and the points are kind of like uh, translate into experience, which you can use to unlock more and more gear and, you know, attain kind of like higher levels of um, efficacy as a chicken uh, coop employee. <laughs> Chicken capture extraordinaire. Exactly. So the yeah, the name of the restaurant's uh, called Chicken Coop, and That's... yeah, they're they're very nefarious. So you and then once you get chickenized, you get you know it takes a little bit, and then you respawn in as a clone. Right. So yeah, it's it's, it's very cool. I yeah. I mean like it's really <laughs> nice to have good original abstract ideas. Yes. And, uh, one of the things that like making a lot of casual games you look for specific hooks you know that, mm-hmm. that people get used to right and the most I guess most notorious these days is food you know yes. not saying anything about a candy game at all <laughs> but uh, food is something that it's almost like universally we can relate to so right. it's a really good premise well yeah. done well done thank you yeah it's, I mean it's that and it's kind of like, that like I mean if you really look at it it's a the game is really a, a critique about our society and about like corporate society in, in specific. And I, I mean, um, just seeing how they kind of pit employees against one another to try to like climb up this corporate ladder right. and, you know, and incentivize them in kind of like all the wrong ways to, to, to just, you know, to the end of like, you know, making a buck. So, you know, it's, it's something we, you know, we feel is important to put in kind of the social criticism and kind of like criticizing the way that, you know, different, you know, I guess the fast food industries run and everything and kind of the, you know, greed, but just, just kind of strange gun culture stuff that the United States has. It's like, it's a lot of fun. We try to wrap everything into one because like, you know, we don't know how long we're going to live and we want to criticize all these things. And so we should just do it in one game, right? Yeah. There you go. If you've got a game that you can do it in, it's perfect. Yeah. It was fun. And we put, we just put a lot of humor in it too. I mean, we have a a writer who works uh, with us and, she uh, she has her master's from in screenwriting from NYU, and she's just f- she's freaking hilarious. So we just the, do yourselves a favor if you're gonna get this game for one thing, get it for the item descriptions. Right. Like just go through and read all the item and equipment descriptions and the level descriptions. They're just amazing. That's brilliant. Like they're hilarious. So it's a lot of fun. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about infusing uh, humor into your game. I mean, uh-huh. uh, it's it's one of the one of the um, one of the best selling points of a lot of games, something that gives right. a character. How did you go about doing it? Did you just go to your screenwriter and just say, "Hey, make it funny"? Or, I mean, like the premise itself is right. hilarious, right? Um, but how did you go about trying to maintain that humor? Okay, so yeah, I think I think what you touched upon is exactly is it exactly the way I would recommend doing it. Um, is come up with a really strong premise and take it seriously. Take that premise seriously. Right. Like we established a a personality for this corporation. Like Chicken Coop is pretty much where everything stems from. Chicken Coop and and you know the individual personalities of the employees that work at a a restaurant. Like for us, it kind of is like 
and, and it wasn't something that we actually that we actually um, said, hey, it's got to be this from the beginning. But it's something that naturally evolved into it was kind of like the office in in a fast food restaurant in outer space. Right. <laughs> so so the, the where where kind of all the the humor flows from is that we took chicken coop very seriously, and we said, okay, this is the ethos of this corporation. This is how they present themselves to their employees. This is how they present themselves to the rest of the universe, and um, essentially. When Olivia came on board, she she was kind of like taking stabs at writing things, and we would go, "No, that is not chicken coop. Like this would not fall under chicken coop's you know thing." And right. she goes, "She goes, oh okay, so like I really just need to get to understand chicken coop and like how they would they would do things." Um, so like for instance, a they have a a a a bunch of different levels that you can as you go through and gain experience, you get promoted through the, the chain of command. And a couple of interesting things about the chain of command is the highest level that you can get to is, is level 50. And that is, um, the title at that level is vice president of middle management. <laughs> That's it. That's as high as you go. You can't get any higher than vice president of middle management. <laughs> so, and it's, and then we have, you know, we have, um, uh, another couple levels I thought were, were really interesting and funny where you have a, a UFO dent doctor who, who essentially is in charge of repairing all the UFOs after they, after they've come out of battle. Right. 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 So that's one of the levels that you get to. And it's, and the quote for that is, Oh, you know, I don't think that's going to buff out. <laughs> and, uh, then the next, the very next level is a used UFO repair salesman. <laughs> and his quote is, Oh, our dented doctor advises me that that's totally going to buff out. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, you know, it's just this, this corporation's completely nefarious. Right. It's, it's awesome. I mean, it's, you know, we just we just like to poke fun, and um, and, and you know, Olivia has a very dark sense of humor. So if you if you really start looking into the way that things are, you know, the all the descriptions and stuff, you'll see that there's like this kind of very dark undercurrent of like you know evil corporation humor in there. So I, th I love that. I think it's, I think it's so much fun, but yeah, just get a central premise take it very seriously and let that inform everything else that you're going to do. And that way I think that, you know, you can really start to have fun with it. And the, the thing kind of the body of work will behave as a cohesive whole. Right? right. And you, and it'll be consistent and you guys will, you, you'll start thinking about like, Oh, okay. So, I mean, think about aperture, right? The way that, the way that uh, yeah, Val yeah, uses yeah. aperture. I mean that that's exactly that's a, a perfect textbook example of how to you know how to do something like that. Right. You know, create this really strong, um, really inspired central idea, and then have everything else kind of be influenced by that. And the comedy will just flow. And I mean, it doesn't help to be funny either. I mean, it doesn't hurt to be funny either. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I mean, I'm I'm not a very funny person, but like having somebody funny there, it really helps a lot. Yeah. So yeah, trying to uh, um, uh, kind of making a game uh, in the after hours and uh, you're like, right, you know, funny stuff is good stuff. People like funny. Right. So right. we're going to stop making this funny. And I've got a right. spreadsheet of names and I'm like, these aren't <laughs> funny. You know? So it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a really interesting pro problem. As a, as a developer, you kind of, yeah. you're sitting there and everything's like, you know, very logical, like pragmatic, but right. humor is something I just like anything that's creative. It's just the, you can't, tap the source or anything that's useful for helping that is, is, is right. good. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's one of the, one of the most difficult uh, forms of entertainment, I think. Yeah. Comedy. Yeah. Um, 
I wanted to chat. I mean, you said you first uh, were targeting the free-to-play mobile. Right. Um, how did you find that? I mean, I, I find that uh, making mobile games all the time, you have fads and, you know, literally, like, free-to-play is the thing. Yeah. But free-to-play evolved over the process of a year at most, you know, over like right. 2012, I mean, 2013, the year of free-to-play. Right. Uh, everybody is doing this thing, and uh, now everybody's thinking, hey, that's the way to go. Right. But um, I always bring up the fact that it just, you know, if you go back one year further, like free-to-play was, you know, wasn't even mentioned. Was It was right. like, a, oh, this could work. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a famous story about um, EA soccer in Korea and, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I just wanted to talk to you how you approach the free-to-play, if you're yeah. still going to support the free-to-play model or what success you've had um, and, and how you've changed your business strategy accordingly. Um, I don't think free-to-play is for everybody mm-hmm. um, when, I com- when it comes down to it. And this is kind of having been having been there, right, um, and, and gone through that whole the whole I, we really did it. We really jumped in and said we're going to do this whole hog. We mm-hmm. built our own backend um, to authenticate purchases, so we didn't you know went, didn't really fall victim to piracy. Um, we uh, we created like a whole you know a, a slew of items that you could, we specifically designed the game to be free to play. We said each uh, player avatar is going to consist of uh, several different parts, like a, a, a pilot. Uh, a UFO, guns, a hat, um, and then uh, individual levels of different special weapons that you could customize as well. Right. So we had hundreds of different items and combinations that you could that you could have, um, and those were all meant to be uh, you know free to, purchasable through free to play. Um, and and you know you, if you go and take a look at the game as it is right now on Google Play, you can still see that those those are those are there. Um, and by the way, we're going to do something nice if we do if we do end up fully going over to just purchasable. We're going to do something really nice for all the people who have actually purchased something. Excellent. So don't feel afraid to purchase anything. <laughs> we'll take care of it. Yeah. Um, but basically, um, yeah, it's a it is you know we really give it a good try. We. If I have to criticize this about anything in terms of design-wise um, that we did wrong or we maybe did wrong, I think, like you said, it's only a year, so it's really hard to tell, um, is that we didn't create enough friction in terms of the, 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 the experience. Um, like, a.k.a. we weren't enough of assholes, too, <laughs> if you don't mind me swearing. That's right. That's right. I mean, we, we really didn't um, create uh, as much friction as I think that, that most people, if, if we had a free-to-play consultant come in and go take a look at our game, we'd go. they would go, oh, there's just not enough friction here for, for, for you know, to force people into buying things. And actually, I think with the type of game that we had, it wasn't as critical for us to do that. Right. Because, like, if you look at, um, let's say... Uh, World of Tanks, right? right? Which I think is a, which I think is an excellent example of uh, free to play that's not totally obnoxious, right? Um, the way the friction is actually provided by the other players, right? Right. So I think that for us, you know, it, I think it, it quite possibly would have worked out. The real problem is is that nobody uh, found our game, right? Right. I mean, I say nobody. It was it was you know it was actually tens of thousands of people. Um, it's just not enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and people did download it, they played it. Um the game won awards. We've won we've won a couple of like best best of show awards from Fantastic. different yeah, from different magazines. Um but I think that, you know, there's so much that goes into it, right? Like there's so much that goes into discoverability. Um yeah, first of all, the name uh, is 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 a big thing. And right. that's something like I said, we're considering changing the name. It's something uh that that 
you know, we look at it and we go, okay, why aren't people downloading it? Right. I mean, it's, it's, is it the picture of, you know, that we have up there? Is it the name? You know, we didn't do a whole lot of AV testing because we're so small right. and we, I really wish that, you know, I, th I think that that's something that we're actually going to focus on, um, going forward. And we didn't do enough of it, um, right off the bat. Um, I think that, uh, another thing that's, that's difficult about free to play as well is that, you know, even if people do get into your game, they, you have like, what is it like? 10 seconds or something ridiculous like that yeah. to like get their attention and hold it. And, and, and be, if you can't do that, they're going to just go away. Right. right. Um, we monetized and kind of retained people at, at, you know, at or above what, what people say are, um, kind of successful rates. Right. But you know, the, our, our real problem was just grabbing people and getting them in there. Right. Right. Um, we did, we do need to, uh, we do need to improve our UI. Um, and that's something, that's part of the reason why we went to, you know, Angui. It's just a lot easier for us to work quickly in that. Can I ask uh, what you were using before? Uh, we were using EasyGUI. And that was, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was, uh, it was, it was good. I mean, it was definitely, you know, something that was, you know, much, much better than the built-in uh, yeah. old yeah. UI, or at least the non-new <laughs> UI. Yeah. And if Unity people are listening, I'm still waiting for that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? 3.2, 3.5, 4, 4.1. Yeah. They assure us it's coming any day now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was, uh, it was, you know, it was, it was not the easy guru was like particularly bad. It was just, it wasn't as quick for us to work in that. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think that, and I think that, one of the things that we really needed was just a good 2D um, UI person to yeah. really just yeah. cr create those menus. Right. Um, don't leave a programmer to do those things. It's not going to work <laughs> out well. We're real smart, but it's not going to be pretty. So, um, so yeah, it's the 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 menus. I think were you know kind of a stumbling point, but again, not that bad of a stumbling point. Like we did, we actually did pretty well. The biggest problem, and the thing that I will warn people about the most, is that it is just really expensive to um, to advertise your game at this point. To right. really just grab people and get them into that game. All the games that you see that are that are extremely successful nowadays, and and again, this is all nowadays. Right. Back when we started, like it wasn't that big of a, a deal. When we started developing, it wasn't that big of a deal. And the reason we chose to go to, go free to play is it seemed like a lot of individual, you know, very indie developers were able to find success, like you know, Temple Run and yeah. all those guys, um, you know, Bit uh, Bit Trip Runner, all those guys. Um, and nowadays, it's just it's very very difficult to get visibility because there's a whole bunch of you know there's these big networks of of games that just have fire hoses of people that point you know point them wherever they need to. Did you hear that? Did you ever hear that idea about the fire hose? No, no. Okay, so it's just that's the way kind of people that are um, at working for those companies view their their user base, right? You know, and they they call it a fire hose method where they just you know they they essentially run analytics on all the users of their games right. and they go, okay, this person is going to tend to behave like this or be more susceptible to these types of things. And it's terrible that they use the word susceptible, but that's what they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and what they do at that point is they just um, really do a full court press on the users of whatever their entry level game is. Like, let's say it's Candy Crush or whatever. Right. And they say, okay, this person who's playing Candy Crush appears to have the, these type of behaviors is going to be more susceptible to this. This game, this other game that we have in our portfolio is more, is suited to their profile. And so they'll just, 
take all the users whose profiles are suited to that particular game and just start hardcore advertising that particular game to them. And then they just keep people, people cycling through this kind of endless stream of like not very good games. So yeah, they shuffle all these pe- the people around this kind of networks of games that they have. So first of all, that that makes it a lot more difficult for for an indie you know, um, to get in there uh, because there's kind of a built-in advertising to all these super successful games that people are playing, and people kind of you know um, get used to playing within those networks. So it's hard for them to break out of it because there's always new games for them to play all the time, right, right? right? And those games are being really pushed on them through all the advertising that's in that network of games. Um, and then on top of that, then you have like EA and all these other guys who are kind of crowding out the market and coming in with humongous marketing budgets, driving the uh, user acquisition costs. If you are considering doing advertising, driving those costs like way up. Right. So for us, once we started doing the math about like what it would cost us to acquire a new user versus what we assume that we could get out of a, a, a your kind of your average user, it just didn't really make sense for us to do that. And, you know, it's like the type of thing where people are looking at you going, can you guarantee us we're going to make this much money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, well, actually, I I could say yes, because that's an easy way to get the money. Yeah. Right? But like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to waste people's money. I mean, it's just not, it's just not me. So I'm, I'm going, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I really don't know. And that's the thing is that nobody really knows. It's like, we could put a whole bunch of money behind the game. And, you know, it might just not take off or it might not be the right time. Or like you say, a new fad comes along that stops that from going. And then on top of that, then we have the network costs, right? Because it, we do want it to be like a turn, tournament level quality game. Right. And um, the network stuff has to be really, you know, it has to be really tight. So, right. So, yeah, it, that would have cost us a, a whole bunch of money, too. So we said, look, I mean, what are we trying to do here? Like, I mean, it seems like both the network thing and the free-to-play thing are really rich man, rich man's games at these points. Right. And we're not rich men. Like, we're, we're a, even though we're part of Sony, we're in, we're an indie studio. Right. And, you know, we're not, we're not going to, you know, start pulling down those, those type of resources and, you know, putting all the people above us at risk, et cetera, et cetera. And hey, at the same time, if you look at it, the game is just as fun, if not more fun, if we do everything local and just do it as a pay-for game. Right. And that way, you know, we can feel good about the game. We don't have to, you know, resort to kind of dirty tricks to siphon money out of people. And, you know, we can do something that's achievable with our team size inside of here. So essentially the way that I feel about Forsaken Planet is that, you know, we spent about a year um, building a prototype of this game, of like a free-to-play game. And then we, you know, we put it out and we said, okay, you know, what's the, what's the market like right now? And it just wasn't, I I think, amenable to a small team doing something like that. Right. And we would have really had to like overstep our, what I feel are our natural batteries to be able to do, to do that well. So, but at the same time, I think it is totally reasonable for us to take the game and put it out as a local multiplayer, you know, console, uh, you know, 10 foot experience. Right, 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 right. So... So yeah, that's very interesting because um, looking at like the whole scope of um, indie developers, right? Like so, two, so two and some change years ago, right? Mm-hmm. You know, things seem to open up, right? Mm-hmm. And here we had like okay, so the whole traditional publisher thing is pretty much dead for us. We could go mobile. We could go. Um, to some of the consoles as yep. they start to open up. Steam was still unsaturated, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it all seemed like a really beautiful market. Yep. Um, but as, you know, 
as we are now in the beginning of 2014, it seems like a very horrible market for indies. Like, I, I yeah. as the, you know, it's going indie, um, you know, this year, you're kind of looking at everything and you're like, well, where's the blue ocean? You know, where's, yeah. where's the place I can get my game at? Um, yep. If, uh, if the guys from Double Fine are, you know, are kind of like doing a Kickstarter to get some money together to make a game, like how am I possibly going to do that? Exactly. Um, and it, and we all thought that that consoles were. Well, I thought the console was dead and mobile was the way, but it seems like consoles seem to be, well, at least I know Sony is, embracing the indie, so it might be going back that way. What are, you, what are your thoughts on uh, new indie developers where they should try and make some monies? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like the current route that we're pursuing right now. I mean, I think that also actually as a, as kind of a side note, Unity is awesome because it lets us do this. Right? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I was complaining earlier about how, you know, how it's kind of difficult to, to do the PS3, PS4 um, switch over. But honestly, it's nowhere near as difficult as recoding your game from the ground up. For exactly. It. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, preaching like, to the converted. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a lot of work for, like, one person to do. <laughs> but, like, it's, you know, it's it's nothing compared to compared to what it what it used to be to do something like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy with that. And I think that's, you know, a humongous, uh, you know, positive thing about Unity. But, yeah, I mean, I think that as a new indie, um... I was really hoping hoping that the Ouya stuff would pan out. Yeah, yeah, me um, too. Hey? I, I, I don't know if if I think they can be counted completely out at this point, and I know that a lot of other people are getting on the micro console type of thing. Right. But there is there is kind of like there is I think a, a problem with going. Okay, well, how cheap can the micro consoles really get, especially in comparison to like a hundred and fifty dollar Xbox or PS3? Right. Like the that's the the like uh you know. What, what I was hoping is that it would be an effective low cost solution for for like people who didn't have a crap ton of money to throw around at mm-hmm. a at like a six hundred dollar console. But I think that you know until you see some real heavyweight step in there that really is looking to own that space and make it extremely popular, like let's say Google if they do the micro console stuff, right? Um, uh, you know I don't I, I think it's going to be difficult for like a startup like like Uyu to compete. And honestly, like everybody rags on them, but I tell you what. Like what they were able to do from from you know the beginning of Ouya to when they actually hit the market, I thought was extremely extremely impressive. Yeah. Like if you look at, it, I mean, I have an Ouya, um, and I mean, why not? It's like nine hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, um, if you look if you look at the way that you know they supported everything, I can hook up a, a, a PS3 controller to the Ouya, no problem. Really? You know, yeah, yeah, it's super easy. Um, my brother and I were playing a, an emulator a little while back um, right. with a you know with hooking up the PS3 controllers, and it was like we we're back you know in the Nintendo days or whatever. That's awesome. All the ROMs were gotten legally, by the way. <laughs> Fans. Yeah, just, <laughs> so, NSA, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> they're probably listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably don't care. <laughs> they don't. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, but the, uh, the, I think the, the user experience on it is really nice. Just the way that they did, you know, the front end and the way that it's super easy to buy things. There's actually a lot of really fun games on there. Um, if you bother looking around for them. But yeah, I think it was just, I mean, it was a, it's, it's, I, I see it sitting right over there. It's a really, it's a really nice little machine and the people are really nice to work with too All as right. a, as a developer. So hopefully, you know, it, hopefully something like that can come up. Um, Steam is a, also pretty good. Like you say, it's still difficult to get, you know, get, get noticed on it. Um, 
Um, one Both question: possible. Did you mm-hmm. did you uh, port to Ouya? I mean, like your Android base? Yeah, we are, we're actually on Ouya. Okay, yeah, I didn't know yeah, that. yeah, we're on Ouya. Um, so it's a, it's out on uh, Android, uh, Android, Amazon PC, and uh, Ouya right now. So look it up on. on did it, how was how was the uptake on Ouya? Was it was it good or was, was that discoverability bad? Um, you know, it's actually pretty good. Um, we is really good about working with you to run, you know, to run specials. Like they, they featured us, a co- uh, for, for a little bit and everything. And we seem to get some traction on there. So I've actually checked it a little bit. I should, I've been, I've mm-hmm. had my face in a PS4 for too long. <laughs> so, but yeah, I should uh, go back and check and see how it's going. But, uh, yeah, it seemed, it seemed we were doing okay for a little while. Um, but it was good. I mean, the people were, again, super nice to work with. They're, you know, anytime they're at a conference or something, they were more than happy to, to feature us. So if you're a really, really small indie and you just want to, you know, kind of like try your hand at, at getting, you know, at, at getting on a, a console and see what it would be like, you know, that that is definitely a route that is very low cost, you know, low barrier to entry to everything. Right. Um And, you know, your Ouya, when you buy it, is your dev kit. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> you're not, love that. it's like, it's totally... Totally easy. Um, but yeah, where would I suggest? I mean, uh, PC is, you know, I know a lot of people who have made games um, that are actually like not super great and they're not really well, uh, they're not really well publicized, but Steam has ways of like making tons of money for people. So like, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's really good. Um, that's something I, I definitely wouldn't rule out. And it looks like the, it's, the green light process is, is kind of appears to be going away. Which really? is, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what the the latest news is, and I think that that's something I think they've been intending on doing for a while because they know it's broken in some pretty fundamental ways. Um, One of the things I, I saw uh, talking about Uya was that I think uh, Kelly Santiago, if I mm-hmm. pronounce her name, she is now um, she's now on board or has been on board for a little while, and mm-hmm. she's talking about kind of facilitating an indie channel and yes. that kind of stuff. So yep. seems like they're trying. Yeah, um, this is the Uya stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they they definitely try. They try. They're they're trying really hard. I think it's just a matter of the the price differential between them and the kind of the next thing that like a person who didn't have a ton of money would be you know in a, in a store looking at right, right, which is the PlayStation Three or like yeah. you know whatever. And and I think that people don't realize like I mean how much like another big part selling point of of the Ouya is you know for for people who don't have a ton of cash to, to spend is that all the games have to have a free component right so um so that that's an awesome experience for somebody who's just playing around with Ouya hundred dollars um, and you right. get some stuff so. um I I personally wish as a developer the only thing I wish about the Ouya as a developer was number one the controller is a little bit better um and number two that the machine was a little bit more you know it had a little bit more power right. than it does but I think that their their plan um as far as I understand it is to you know try to iterate on the on the console from you know uh, more often than than a large console manufacturer right, right, right. um so hopefully the the next thing they come out with will, will be really nice and you know sports some nice beefy hardware so, <laughs> and and you know kind of still retains that nice price point as well um so yeah but uh again the other the other thing is yeah like uh, playstation has been really great uh, PlayStation in particular has been really great about you know keeping up with the indies right. and and really providing access to uh, the tools for us to 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 get those things done. Um, uh, you know, I assume Microsoft's doing the same thing. Uh, 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I haven't yeah. heard too much uh, good stuff about Microsoft and Indies. I think they yeah. got so fed up from the last iteration that um, yeah, they just moved over to Sony with open hands. But, but who knows? Who knows? Like, I mean, yeah. we aren't supporting anyone in particular. It's mm-hmm. just whoever, you know, can get yeah. us to market and keep us in business. It would be nice. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's for me personally. Like, again, this is this is not, uh, you know, the, my company speaking, but it, just me as a person. Like, when I went into start working at, um, at, at Sony pictures when, you know, when we were forming loot, um, I was actually a humongous Xbox fanboy. Right. I was huge. I didn't own a PlayStation three. Like I, I, you know, and they actually made me buy one when I started my job, which kind of sucked because I didn't have any money. And they're like, no, you need to buy one right now. And I'm like, Oh God, it wasn't cheap. Um, so, but and you know, I I was still an like pretty hardcore Xbox guy um, up until this you know kind of just recently when and I think that it's it's astounding to me. Uh, I'll criticize a lot, but I'll give credit where credit is due. It's astounding to me how they've been able to turn things around. Yeah, how how PlayStation's been able to really just turn things around and become a very you know developer friendly you know do um, what was right for for people making games. Yeah, you know the the way that they. You know the kind of the kind of structure of the PS4. I don't know if it was having Mark Cerny on board or whatever. You're you know. saying moving away from the cell processor and just having like yeah, PC you know, just making yeah, just yeah. making it a lot easier to develop for. You know, probably made, making it a lot easier on themselves in terms of like the way they iterate it. You know, kind of um, pursuing the PlayStation Now thing. Mm-hmm. I think is really really interesting. Right. Um, and I think that that's the way pretty much everything is going to go in the future. Yeah. I mean, again, that's just me speculating. Um, but you know, I think that. I think that they're doing, you know, pretty much all the right things so far, and hopefully they don't drop the ball. Um, yeah. And we will, as developers, keep pressure on them, of course, to not <laughs> drop the ball because that's our money. Yeah, Just don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it seems like they they must have hired the right people or got the right people into the mm-hmm. right positions because it seems like they're doing all the right things. I can remember. So, I think it was last year or the year before Sony had the big restructure when they kind of you know mm-hmm. focused and said, "Hey, PlayStation's making some money. Let's make it better." So, yeah, I mean, like if you look, uh, you know, Kaz being being you know put into the the leadership position that he's in now is is a huge message, I think, to the rest of the company right. that you know games and and the PlayStation platform is super duper important yeah, yeah so i mean i was happy to see that happen and i thought that it might bode well and it did so that's that's good so far um uh so i gotta i gotta get out there and get myself a playstation 4 yeah. <laughs> i just recently picked up well i couldn't say recently i think it was uh-huh. uh, 2012 when journey came out that's when i i just couldn't put off getting a playstation anymore. yeah so i had to get it for that and i was well yeah. worth it yep. um but talking about marketing platforms um mm-hmm. The the Amazon platform. Uh, so uh-huh. I know the Kindle Fire is their you know their yep. flagship thing, and yep. I've had very interesting experiences with Kindle um, back in the day when it first came out. You know, and it supported was an Android tablet and support mm-hmm. games. Um, it was a pretty good market, and even now I see it's relatively consistent. Right, mm-hmm. it might not you know make me a huge amount of money, right. but I find find that the numbers the the, the tail is a lot longer than I or right. Android. Um, uh, I just wanted to know what your, your experience was. If you developed for the Kindle specifically, or we was did. it just okay? We did, um, and it was uh, it was very uh, for us. It was very underwhelming, and that might just be because of the nature of the game, mm-hmm. you know, and the nature of kind of the Kindle audience, um, because it was an actiony, you know, right, right. kind of weird 
game that's you know very multiplayer competitive based. It was um, it it didn't it didn't uh, it showed actually the I think the least traction out of any of the platforms that were on. Oh, exactly. That's interesting to know. And and we were really expecting a lot too because like like that's what we had heard as well. But it it was uh, it really underperformed for us. So. and uh, developer support was not what I would have wanted it to be. <laughs> um, it was very, it was very difficult to get in touch with somebody yeah. to kind of like see what was going on. Um, we had some problems with the, uh, with the touch screen and with the, uh, the game not not running as well um, right, as it okay. as it as it should have, on especially on the the old Kindle. Yeah, yeah. Um, first generation. Yeah, the first generation Kindle. It was it was the touch screen was was really laggy and the. Uh, and the game, for some reason, took forever to load. Actually, once it got loaded up, it was totally fine. But for some reason, each level, every time we were doing a load, just took forever. And in, in the meantime, and like in between then and now, they actually fixed that at some oh. point. So I don't know if it was a, a Unity issue or a, a Kindle issue or, or what it was, but or just the way Unity interface Kindle. But that was the only place we saw that. And uh, but it just our pure download numbers were just not is right. not what they should have been. Right. Um, so yeah, but I mean, Amazon PC was actually kind of diff- very different than that. Uh, Amazon okay. PC was very was really successful for us. I didn't even know that. I had a PC. Yeah, and, and that's part of the problem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I mean, we we actually like our, our download numbers weren't huge, but it monetized really well for us. Okay. So um, we were way above average what what you should expect on monetization on, on that platform, which is which is very interesting. And their support was was awesome. Like the people that we worked with, the Amazon PC, yeah, the Amazon okay. PC stuff. Um, so yeah, there's actually a, a, a free to play like downloadable game uh, thing on on Amazon.com if you go there. Wow! So you can just do yeah, and they have like a whole actually you can download pretty much any type of game from Amazon as well. Okay. Um, so it's uh, you know I, I thought it was a, a really interesting platform but again it was you know nothing in comparison to in terms of like number sheer number of downloads in comparison to like google play okay and we didn't uh we haven't we didn't put out on apple yet and that's something that we're still uh yeah i, I knew you were probably gonna ask me i was uh, <laughs> i i remember yeah. that because it was a very interesting problem that you guys had with it and yeah um, you know and obviously everyone's like well why is this an iOS yeah so um the floor is yours to describe yes. that hideous problem that you found <laughs> Um, well, okay, so we, um, essentially what, I think, I think that it was maybe, let me put it this way. I would not suggest to you if you are a new developer to develop for another platform first and then go to Apple and talk to them about developing for their platform. (laughs) (laughs) You should, um, you should develop for, uh, Apple, uh, first, and talk to them about it first right. before anything happens. Because essentially um, what you might find yourself encountering is just a lot of um, kind of uphill discussions with them in terms of like, you know, does our game have a chance of getting featured on your on your store? Yeah. And, they're, and they're really willing to work with you, I think. But I think that what an important component of that is... Um, is going to Apple first right. and talking to them first. That's good advice. And, and honestly, uh, as a you know, as as somebody who's kind of gone through the process of working of working with both uh, uh, you know the I, iOS devices and the 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 Android devices, um, 
I would uh, suggest working with the iOS devices first anyway, because there are so, so, so many less iOS <laughs> devices. <laughs> there, are so, there are so few iOS devices in comparison to the, the Android devices that you'll just have a, a much easier time of it anyway. I wanted to, yeah, uh, get into the whole Android device release thing. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. I know that it's a beast. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, having uh-huh. released multiple platform stuff, uh-huh. kind of like you release on iOS, and if you've done your testing correctly, like, you don't get any crashes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, so you test on all your devices for our Android in-house. Everything's working fine. You release right. into the world, and everyone starts complaining that it's broken. Yes. Um, and then recently, I, t- I started looking at... Uh, um, the ability to publish for specific texture types right. um, in Unity and then being able to, so, you know, yeah. you make your APKs, so yep. you make your four different APKs. It's the yep. Targa, yep. Snapdragon, and yep. the something else. And ETA. Then you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then your fallback. Uh, did you do that originally? Did you find that that helped? Uh, we did not originally. Um, and it was it actually did not appear to have any effect. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. but I think that I think that once you get like very, and I think maybe part of what helped is that we limited it to four point and above devices. Ah, okay. So maybe they were the devices were a lot more permissive, or we just didn't hit any real problem devices. Um, the I'll tell you one atrocious horror story that did happen. Um, actually. Uh, we were out on Samsung Galaxy S3. Everything was working fantastic. No problems whatsoever. Uh, Samsung Galaxy S4. And I think this is actually a story that a lot of other Unity devs can relate to as well who did Android development. Samsung Galaxy S4 comes out. And um, a couple days later, I uh, check in on our, on our reviews. And our reviews are like plummeting. Like we got a bunch of one-star reviews. And they're all from Samsung Galaxy S4 users who are going, ah, oh, it just crashes like the minute it boots up, you know, and everything, you know, and it's like this. And I'm frantically like scrambling for the, you know, to, to, to ban the, the, the S4 or like, right, you know, right, shut, right. shut it off so it's not, you know, people aren't downloading it. Um, but we're getting like in the time before I could actually like open up the thing, log in and like, like shut off S4, uh, we actually had. We actually had like two more one-star reviews <laughs> in that time. I'm like frantically trying to like stop it from happening, and uh, it was it was it was nerve-wracking. I mean, I like to see lots of downloads, but not when they're getting when they're generating one-star reviews. Right. And I think this is another problem, right? Generally, of rating systems for um, for I mean Google Play in particular, but I can imagine for for other other um, operating systems as well, is that um, the reviews that you see if you're on like a an S4 that cr- that is running the game and crashing it um, are the same reviews as you would see if you're on like an S3 that runs it fine, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm an S3 user and all of a sudden I see like the the score of this game is like below four or whatever, uh, I'm not going to tend to download that game. Yeah. But even though that game, even though all the the reviews are specific, the bad reviews are specific to a particular platform. 
Right, right, right. And I think that's a huge problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Specifically for Android. Yeah. You know, you, you want you want the ecosystem to automatically kind of isolate problems, right? Exactly. So I've got a yeah. I don't know, arbitrary tablet from some strange right. place and that's not working. Mm-hmm. You kind of that yeah, that if Google, if you ever listen to this, that would be a yeah. really good idea. Yeah. And another thing, Google. <laughs> I've got something else to say. So we had a we had another horror story happen where um where somebody on the team went in and changed our description um, to have keywords because there wasn't a keyword field. And a lot of, like, Amazon will give you a keyword field where you can just put keywords in. And um, so they said, well, there's no keyword field. I'll just put it, like, at the bottom of the description or whatever. And it seems legit, right? Especially right. if you're coming from, like, a, a web development background. You put keywords in the thing. So uh, within 10 minutes... Uh, our game was shut down. Oh, yeah. Permanently and irreversibly shut down. What? Without any type of warning email or anything like that. And um, what, it, what it is is apparently there's a there's a line of the Google policy, and this is tr- totally our fault for not reading it. And you know it's their rules, and you have to play well, by the rules. But a word to the wise, right? Yeah. So um, there's a line in their policy that essentially says don't um, try to re- manipulate search results by putting keywords in, in, in your descriptions. So this goes so far as to say, their description actually goes so far as to say, if you have a an app, let's say, that, that helps people identify ducks, right? Uh, you cannot list, it, have a comma-separated list of the names of all the ducks that your app helps identify. It is against the policy to do stuff that like that. seems pretty backwards. Yes, because your app will be shut down because what they have is they have spiders going through there, you know, some sort of robot going through there and and just looking for common separate lists and then just shutting down the game permanently. Wow. So we had something on the order of like, you know, 40,000 40 or 50,000 users. And all that user, all the user data, all the, you know, kind of like analytics stuff that, that Google gives you, we weren't allowed to access that anymore and we lost all that. That that's horrendous. Yeah, and we were like above four stars, you know, trending upwards, and and we were just shut down, and there's nothing we could do about it. And the support is terrible. I mean, I I think there actually aren't any people working at Google. <laughs> like I think it's, it's like, like that office. Yeah, yeah, it's like that Doctor Who episode where they go to this like some corporate office, like some off some corporation. It's all skeletons, cobwebs like, <laughs> all over them. It's just a computer running everything. So no, it was a it was it was a really bad. And then we when we finally did get in touch with somebody, they kind of like. Like they were like, oh, Google's like a really siloed company, and like, you know. And then we got in touch with somebody else, and they're like, no, we sent you warning emails. We're like, dude, the game was shut down within ten minutes of the change being made. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's horrendous. So we had to essentially start from scratch, and nobody would help you, even though nobody helped us. Nobody helped us. I have a buddy who works over at Google, and he said that he was like going to bring it up because he was horrified that it had happened, and um, said he was going to bring it up at one of their kind of like um, they have a lot of I guess web web meetings yeah, between yeah. all the developers or whatever. So. So it was going to bring it up, but that was a terrible thing. And I saw that there were actually like worse stories when I started uh, researching it online. There were worse stories about other companies that had done things, you know, un, you know, unknowingly, like they didn't read through all the, you know, I guess all the things and it was honest mistakes or, yeah. you know, things they did or that they would have, you know, would have easily been corrected and they gotten a proper warning and that actually cost them tons and tons of money because they had millions of users. 
right? right? Right. And they were just shut down, and the revenue's just completely gone. So, so the money's gone as well. Or? Oh no, I mean, like you just—I mean, nobody's spending money. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. a free-to-play game, Not nobody's spending money in a game anymore. So it's—it was gone. And uh, but I mean, for me, it's like, dude, if you have a robot that is capable of going through and looking at a comment, looking for comments separated read lists, and like banning your game permanently, then you should have a robot that can do stuff like look for a comma separated list while you're submitting the, the description, yeah, the new description yeah, yeah, and say, Hey, look, this isn't going to work or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because they do that from you. When I, when I say, Hey, I'm going to send you this attachment or whatever. And I forget to link the attachment. Yeah. Gmail will go, look, it looks like you meant to attach it to the thing. <laughs> like they could have given me a warning. Like, look, are you are you serious that you want to lose like fucking forty or fifty thousand users? Like, I would have been no, Google, yeah, I don't. No, no. <laughs> it kind of gives you that so, whole feeling of yeah. like having drones flying around in the air and somebody just like having oh, a automated program saying, yes. "Hey, yes. look, he's got a beard. Maybe we should kill him." Yeah, that's exactly what I thought actually. After that thing, I go, "Maybe these drones aren't such a good idea." <laughs> like, just, yeah, especially since Google's bought Boston Dynamics or whatever. <laughs> no, it was, but it was, it was, it was a, it was a nerve wracking experience. Um, you know, definitely lesson learned. Uh, you know, we we will uh, read the read the, the the policies thrice before uh, making any changes to our stuff. But it so, was, it's terrifying. I'm glad it happened at thirty or, or like forty or fifty thousand users, right, not right. like five or six million or whatever users. What what, what are you at at the moment, if I may ask? Um, actually, I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> I haven't, I, like I said, I've been 100% focused on the, the PS3, PS4 stuff. Good. So, um, it's, you know, I guess it's been, it's been doing pretty decent. So, it, I don't think, I don't know if we're back up to the level where we were before the, prior to the shutdown. Right. But, um, but it was, a. Uh, you know, I, th- I guess it's been doing okay. We get these weird spikes from time to time. But we don't really know why they happen. So, <laughs> we'll see. We'll um, see how it goes. Did you do any mm-hmm. media spent on your game? No. Okay. None whatsoever. Um, I mean, we did... I did some, like... I mean, I do promoted posts and stuff like that, but it's all very, you know, kind of indie stuff. Right. Um, and, yeah, we just didn't do any type of... Real type of media spend aside from getting, like, a, you know... Doing our our website and you know doing doing the you know kind of keeping up the community mm-hmm. community stuff so yeah no media expense was it was it just because you didn't have the money at the time or uh, you had to justify the need for it and like the return dollars or well you know something I didn't push super hard for it because of the because of the multiplayer um, server stuff that we were talking about before uh, right. and the like, costs right exactly like I didn't feel like I wanted to I don't. I didn't really feel like we were to the point where I could justify justify going and asking for money to spend on media um, if I wasn't absolutely confident about the multiplayer experience. Right. 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 So I think that when once we get out on um, onto PlayStation and we're you know it's local multiplayer to begin with, and then we'll probably expand into you know the the, the using their servers. I think that at that point, that would be a really good time for us to really go, okay, we're super confident that this experience is going to be great, so let's bring a whole bunch of people into it. Right, right, so, right. But, I mean, you know, the experience was okay. It wasn't it wasn't horrendous, but, I, like, I want something that's going to be really good. You know, I want yeah. it to be, like, tournament-level, tournament you know, experience. That's so, so, yeah, that's that's uh, that's where we're at with that. Oh, that's fantastic. Um Probably going to wrap it up. Okay. Um, a couple quick questions. How did you get into game dev? Oh, geez. Okay. Um, I was graduating. I went to uh, Georgetown University for 
um, international politics. Like, uh, <laughs> like I was a, I went to the school of foreign service over there. Um, right. and I, Found out that I didn't want to become a foreign service officer. It seemed like kind of a miserable life. Right. Um, I, I didn't know any foreign service officers that were really happy. A lot of other people uh, that that I knew went to you know were aiming to become lawyers. Again, I don't know any lawyers who are really happy. Um, <laughs> so then uh, you know I thought about getting into investment banking and you know finance and you know consulting right. and stuff like that. Uh, none of those seemed really appealing to me. It's right. it's like get in, burn yourself out. You know, if I was, you know, I'm 37 right now, like I, I look okay still. <laughs> <laughs> like if I got into investment and finance, I'd probably look horrendous <laughs> and be extremely rich. <laughs> Maybe I did the wrong thing, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> because I think money maybe compensates for like lack of like, attractiveness after a certain point. Um, Kids, okay. this is the truth. <laughs> Listen to Uncle Rich. Um, so no, I, I uh, so I was just kind of sitting around going, "Wow, what exactly am I going to do?" And then I was talking to some friends of mine from high school, and they go, "Hey, dude, we're gonna like just go out to California and see if we can get into video games and like start up our own company." And this is like 99. Wow. And I was like, sounds great. I'm in. And uh, I bought my plane ticket and everything. And I was uh, slated to leave like 10 days after graduation. Right. Um, And uh, a friend, uh, a father of a friend of mine was visiting. And he's like, hey, you you seem, you sound really smart. Like, are you, you're into computers, right? And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And he goes, you want to? Do you think that you could rebuild the um, the servers and computer networks at at in all the computers at uh, at my financial management company? And I said, Yeah, I can do that. No problem. <laughs> and knowing absolutely like jack about that, like I had no clue about how to do that. So I got a so I got a four dummies book. Yeah, right, right. And I uh, and I uh, I read it on the airplane out. <laughs> And I rebuilt uh, their old. I ripped out all their old Novell stuff. Uh, rebuilt all their computers. Rebuilt their their computer network from scratch to be like a Windows NT four point right. thing. And like I, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was terrifying, <laughs> but it worked. Uh, actually, had a hard drive hard drive crash. But anyways, so getting off off topic. But we uh, was actually um, uh, out here for a while, really trying to get into games. Uh, we didn't have enough real expertise to really become a game making company at that point right. because the bar was like way, way, way yeah. higher back then. Um, there were any, there were any tools like unity or even unreal and to really work with at that time. I didn't even like everything was software rendering back then. Right. Oh, it wasn't even, I mean, not... yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think if there were graphics cards, they were just barely coming yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was the days of like Jedi Knight was, I think barely coming out. Right. Um, so, so yeah, it was a, uh, it was really interesting. So we're kind of bumbling around trying to figure out what we're going to do, and we go, well, um, you know, I started like trying to trying to get in touch with all these game companies, and finally one company um, that I, I, I would like scan through magazines and see who was doing what, and I remember reading about that this one company was going to be starting up out here in Los Angeles, and so I'm like, oh, you know, let me see if I can try to get a meeting with them, and they were nice enough to all come. It was they were called Seven Studios, right. and they were nice enough to all come out and like meet up with us for lunch. And there was only like probably like yeah, like there were like seven of them at the time, uh, hence Seven Studios. And they came out to lunch with us, and they met up with us, and we were just talking with them about how to 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 make games, and like you know how to go about getting in the industry. 
And uh, I remember my friend Kenzie got hired uh, as an artist almost directly out of that meeting. And then my friend Eric did some sound work for them and they had an interview with me and they're like, yeah, we'd like to bring you on as a, as a producer, but we don't have the money at this time. And I'm like, oh, thanks for the you know easy yeah. let down or whatever. <laughs> and a friend of mine from the, from Georgetown was actually starting up the internet arm of an advertising agency back in New York city. Right. And, um, you know, seven studios had said, you know, we'll call you if we get the money or whatever. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So, so my friend from New York city called me. He's like, I'm starting up this interactive arm of ad agency. Um, why don't you come out here and help me start it up? I said, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Packed all my crap into my car, drove across country to New York, uh, working there for like three or four months, you know, getting the, uh, interactive arm started. And then I get a call from seven studios and they're like, Hey, we got that money. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm fucking in New York. I thought you were kidding. They're being nice. And they're like, no, no, no. So uh, do you want to make games or not? <laughs> and then I said, uh, and I went and talked to my buddy about it. And he was like, dude, you should go for it or whatever. Yeah. And, and uh, so I packed all my stuff back into my car, <laughs> drove all the way back out to Los wow. Angeles and uh, started as a, 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 a producer there. And um, and uh, for, for very little money, but they were nice and they kept getting me raises or whatever. And then uh, one day Unreal came out. Uh, the Unreal Editor came out, and I actually, just in my spare time, kind of learned how to use it, which was not easy back in those days. Right, yeah. And uh, essentially rebuilt our offices in Unreal. And one night, my boss is walking by, and he sees me, like, working on it, and he goes, I need to see you in my office. And I'm like, oh, shit, like, I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm done for. And so I uh, go over to his office, and he goes, hey, how did you learn how to do that? And I go, oh, what? Uh, like, build this stuff in Unreal? And he's like, yeah. I, I, he's like, yeah, how'd you, how'd you figure that out? I go, I don't know. I just, like, taught myself. And he goes, oh, I didn't know you could do stuff like that. Do you, would, you know, we need to have a talk about, like, what you want to do. So he essentially offered me the choice to become, like, stay as a producer, become a designer, or become a programmer. And, and uh, so I, you know, decided on design. And then I was there for, like, a, another year or so. And then went over to Treyarch and, you know. So on and so on. Very, very nice. Yeah. Uh, And um, one last question. Yes, sir. Um, How did you make the transition to Unity? Um, I know it's usually a big transition. Like, I mean, first, Uh like, how did you choose the package? And then Mm -hmm. um, what was some of your biggest teething problems moving from I'm gathering Unreal uh, to, to Unity? Um, okay, so I worked it with Unreal for a little bit. I actually taught it at a art institute as well. I taught a game, oh, wow. yeah, game design and scripting over there for a little while as an adjunct while I was working at Treyarch. And um, I actually used the Arc engine is where I really cut my teeth and became kind of like became kind of the pseudo programmer because all designers over there really were at that right. time, right? Because um, they had this proprietary uh, scripting language that was like multi-threaded, object-oriented, like craziness Jeez. yeah it was insanity so um basically you know that's where i kind of cut my teeth on that type of stuff and then after i left there kind of went into more management position type of stuff but then when i came back to when i, when I came back to los angeles and went into um working at loot uh we started working with a playstation home and i was hired on as a programmer right right um, just because like my my the Treyarch experience you know stuff the spidey stuff was so so like kind of intense I, right. I i suppose i was almost a programmer at that point um so that's when we started working with uh, playstation home stuff and that's what i was using 
Um, and we, you know, my, my creative partner and I kind of looked at everything that we, um, that we were working on with PlayStation home. And we said, you know, something there are these tools that are coming out like unity that was actually, you know, actually just coming over to PC at the time. Right. And he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, you totally got to check this out. Um, so I checked it out and I'm like, man, I really want to do this because I think that this is an opportunity for us to actually just reach like way wider audiences than we're reaching within just PlayStation right now. Right. And you know, it was back in the early days of the mobile stuff. So I was like, you know, we could, we could really get on mobile and hopefully, you know, get access to all the, all those different people that are on there. And if we want to, we can port to PC, we can port to PlayStation, we can port to wherever we want. And so we just essentially uh, complained and we're really, 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 really stubborn for like, months and months <laughs> until we just, I think drove our superiors insane and they uh, broke down and let us kind of start using unity to, to make our own game projects. Wow. Well, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, Rishi, thank you so much for your time and um, hopefully they will follow up uh, with you when uh, you have your jet and uh, your mansion. Oh boy. You know, yeah. <laughs> and then you can give us the secret of uh, how to monetize, but uh, thank you yeah. very much for your time. It All was right. awesome. Thanks for having me. Sure.